Hello, and welcome to another podcast on healthcare marketing trends. I'm Lonnie Hirsch, founder and CEO of Hirsch Healthcare Consulting. Our topic today is trends in hospital and health system marketing. My guest today is Alan Shoebridge, Executive Director of Marketing and Communication for Providence St. Joseph Health. Alan, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I wanted to start off, if I could, by asking you that um, in this era of continued consolidation among the health systems that we're in, how has your marketing strategy changed in the last few years, or has it? Yeah, it's an interesting question. You know, I think uh, to some degree, as we've seen, you know, systems getting bigger and more sophisticated, it's really put pressure on everyone to kind of up their game, uh, become more dialed in and, and more focused on consumers. I think about, you know, as I, as I started in this industry, you know, 15 years ago, uh, you could just throw up a billboard and kind of hope for the best. And I, I think as the competitors have gotten more sophisticated, it's really made everyone, uh, again, you know, raise their game. And I feel like overall there's a strong focus on, on measurement and showing your return on investment for marketing that just it wasn't there uh, you know, 10 years ago. And I think, too, in recent years, uh, this trend has really been influenced by some of the disruptors that are, you know, entering our industry. And they're very, you know, clearly very sophisticated in their marketing strategies. And I think about, you know, the news that broke with Amazon a few weeks ago and, uh, you know, people's pulses got uh, raised by that. Um, but that's really, that sort of pressure uh, is, again, going to cause marketers, you know, healthcare marketers to, to get better and, and to really strive uh, for knowing the customer better. And I think um, what I've noticed as a trend, too, is that, you know, as, as we've gone through this era of kind of companies getting bigger and healthcare consolidation, creating, you know, more sophisticated marketing and communications departments, we're also getting people from those outside disruptive in, uh, industries. So we're getting people who are joining us from retail, who are joining us from Amazon, and they have a very uh, sophisticated approach to consumers and marketing. So, again, that's raising the bar, I think, for, for our profession. And, you know, I guess there's one other issue, too, that, uh, you know, consolidation really means, and that's for the marketers or communicators that work at these organizations, and all of a sudden you're in uh, an organization that's doubled in size. At that point, you know, you've really got to figure out how to scale your marketing function. So the tools, the campaigns, uh, the messaging, there's got to be a way to figure out how to spread that across the organizational footprint. And, you know, I think for me, those, those are some of the, the, the main areas that have um, that those trends in the industry are really driving right now. And, again, I think I just boil it down to a lot more need to be sophisticated, a lot more need to be uh, looking for measurement uh, than we ever did in the past. Well, that's really interesting. So as it applies to you uh, in terms of the uh, – since the time that Providence and St. Joseph merged, uh, to what extent uh, and how has the organization rebranded itself? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a good question. And, and we've had, you know, some smaller mergers and acquisitions and partnerships along the way, too. And then as our two really larger uh, parent organizations came together about 18 months ago, um, we're finally now getting into the process of our own marketing and communications department being integrated and that conversation is being driven. Obviously, there's a, there's a brand uh, component about how we are going to brand this new entity. And honestly, we're, we're, we're still looking at developing that strategy. So, you know, as we got more into the logistics of putting the two organizations together, 
you know, in 2017, we, we did some work at the, the corporate and employee level. So you started seeing Providence St. Joseph Health showing up at our corporate offices and things. But honestly, we're still operating sort of our, our individual brands in the markets. So uh, there are times when we use that larger corporate brand and we may uh, use it for certain audiences like stakeholders with politicians or we're doing something at a large policy level or again when we're talking to all of the employees we call all our employees caregivers all the caregivers that work for us you might see the st joseph providence st joseph health brand uh, but in specific markets uh, we really look at you know what, what's the strategy in that market and so there's some markets where both brands are active and a combined brand identity might make sense uh, in those markets we're exploring that deeply in other markets uh, where that's not the case, where maybe just Providence off- operates or just St. Joseph operates, you know, that's where we don't want to really degrade the value of those legacy brands. So we're taking a very uh, careful, uh, considered approach to that. And I think overall it's an area where we're, we're trying to proceed with caution and, and validate the value of putting that large brand in a market uh, because it's a huge investment of time, uh, money, and resources. And also we, we risk kind of, again, uh, confusing our core uh, constituents and in some cases even um, our patients. So in, still in the infancy of figuring out, you know, what, what that sort of consumer-facing brand is going to be, and there's, there's a lot of considerations we're looking at. So um, as it relates to what you were saying about the time and cost of, of branding and rebranding, um, in, in 2018, how much emphasis do you put on measurable results in terms of patient acquisition and retention numbers, for example, versus brand marketing, top-of-mind awareness, and, and reinforcement of the brand? Yeah, uh, tremendous, tremendous emphasis on that. And so I, I really thought as our industry, again, as we kind of kicked off the conversation, we were talking about consolidation and other factors. Well, you know, another factor in our industry is just, frankly, there's less money for those type of marketing activities that maybe you had back in the past. I don't think there's many health systems that haven't seen their margins shrink. And obviously, most of our nonprofit, we don't want to have huge margins. But we had a little bit more room to work with. We had a little more room to invest in marketing. And so when, we're, when you're doing marketing these days, I think that the vast majority of what you do has to be measurable. And... Um, but I would say that, you know, consideration is just what's going on in the market. Uh, so if you have a market where potentially you're, you're far behind your competitors in awareness or preference um, and you're not going to abandon those markets, you're still going to be very active in those markets, um, you may want to make some investments and in things to move the needle on awareness and preference. But I think fortunately, too, in, in today's day and age, a lot of that is measurable. Now, again, it might not be measurable all the way back to tracking revenue, but you can see what sort of impact you're having. Um, I also think just in a perfect world, you would do kind of both. You would have uh, things that are driving, uh, that are moving the needle on acquisition, retention, things like that, but you would also have a brand awareness, a reputation layer. I think you see that with almost all the good companies that are out there uh, in all the industries. And like we talked about Amazon before, um, you know, they're running TV spots in the Super Bowl because they need to, again, reach people at a certain time when they might be thinking about them. And I think it's the same for healthcare. People are not always thinking about us. So ideally, there's some combination of a, a brand layer and then a very uh, specific layer of marketing that's trying to drive action. And it's just finding the, the balance that's right. But I just think overall, the vast majority of what you're doing, you've got to be able to tell a story about the impact that's having. And that's, that means you're going to have to be able to measure it. 
You were talking a little bit earlier about how you look at the brand in various regions and based on the legacy of the brand that was there. Um, how much marketing autonomy uh, do your individual hospitals have uh, and how much is dictated by the system marketing department? Yeah, and kind of the way we're we're split up. So we, you know, we we operate in seven states, and you know, I would say that um, there's a strategic level that's happening in a given region. So you may have a Southern California region or Oregon region, and those are made up of multiple hospitals. But you usually have a a leader, a marketing leader, who's making decisions um, for that entire region. And we also have a system layer. So we have a system layer of of resources at a marketing level. And I think the autonomy that's there for the regions is that they, they determine the strategic needs in that specific market. So we don't want to get in the way of stopping that. And, you know, the, the needs have to surface locally. And they do that really, you know, by partnering with their business partners, strategy officers, chief executives, and kind of identifying what those needs are. And then at the system level, uh, we really want to help them, you know, capitalize on those business opportunities. And we do that by offering you know, centralized services like research, creative, analytics. I think the type of expertise is really hard to resource locally. And really, you know, as we were kind of discussing earlier, as we get bigger, you know, operating at scale. So I would just kind of boil it down to the local areas. They're really determining the strategic need in that market. And then we help them, you know, stratify that and really dig down into where they can have the most uh, effect, what kind of strategies are going to be helpful, and then actually execute it for them. So I, I, I would say it's definitely a partnership, and then that strategic level uh, really is being driven locally. Well, I have a slightly different question now. As it relates to hospital acquisition of uh, an addition of outpatient clinics um, as uh, points of contact for the consumer, um, how have you seen that affect uh, your marketing focus and your budget uh, as relates to how much of it goes toward marketing hospital service lines uh, versus marketing these outpatient clinics. Yeah, you know, a couple of years ago we took a, an approach where we really want to look at what the business opportunity is. So, you know, I think in the kind of uh, in the past we may have made a more of a, a sweeping declaration of, hey, we're going to take 50% of the budget, put it here, and 25% here, and 25% there. Uh, but we really moved away to that to saying, you know, what's the right business opportunity? So potentially you could say take 100% and put it to the outpatient clinics because that's where all the growth is. I think you have to look at it uh, by market. And so when we do that, we, we kind of have um, a process. And the process starts with, you know, conversation with the business partner. So it may be the CEO of a region. It may be a strategy officer. And identifying the priorities together. And the priorities, they could be primary care, specialty care. They could be service line. Um, again, like you mentioned, it could be outpatient clinics. Any of that. But what, what rises to the top? from the business partners about what, what's their real priority. And I think you have to get key, you know, the key there is you've got to get agreement on that focus. And then the marketing team needs to build a plan, uh, align to that focus, work the plan, and make adjustments proactively. Um, big shift, I think, again, in the industry and what marketers want to be doing is being more uh, proactive rather than reactive. And having that plan and reviewing it frequently is, is the key to doing that. But again, I think that the proper process is not really to think about, you know, how are we going to take the money and, you know, basically spread it out to all these areas, 
but it's actually to start with, you know, what's the need and kind of build up from there. And I've seen really good success. And once you get those priorities, you know, running those requests, things that might come up uh, in during the year, you know, through the filter again, uh, is this something we identified early on in the year? Uh, if there's a new opportunity, does it bump something else off the list? Because again, I, I don't think there. I think there's very few um, marketers that are working today that have more budget than they had in the past. Um, you know, again, you're trying to be very smart with that. And so having that agreement up front about, again, what are we really trying to do from the business priority? Let's align that very closely to the marketing plan. And I think, too, I, I've been talking about this for a number of years. You know, when those things do come up uh, or those priorities are identified either proactively or reactively, what are the filters that you run it through as a marketer and say, does this make sense? And I think this is very basic, but, you know, we're asking questions like, is there access? I mean, if you can't make an appointment for six months, um, what good is there marketing this? There's, there's a better thing to market out there most likely. You know, is patient satisfaction strong? You know, can people uh, self-refer them and then self-refer themselves for a service? And then what's the financial impact? And I think when you can kind of work to identify with the business partners, the priorities, run it through some of those marketing filters, you'll be able to say this is where we should put the dollars because it's going to have impact and it's going to have uh, immediate results in driving business. And then that's the way I like to look at it. And I think that things naturally shake out from there. And, you, again, you may have a, a situation in a particular market where you don't do any service line marketing because maybe there's no access, but you've got a lot of opportunity and access in your outpatient setting or your primary care clinics. And I think that's the right way to, to go about making those decisions. Well, as you talk about this issue of, of marketing budgets and how they're not growing, if anything, they're shrinking, uh, you know, it wasn't um, too many years ago when most hospitals or the health systems certainly would have like uh, an outside agency of record that would handle a lot of their creative or, or those kinds of projects. Uh, and I'm just wondering, uh, you know, given the changing environment as you see it, how much of uh, your branding and messaging and creative output do you handle in-house versus engaging um, an agency or several agencies? Yeah, so we, we have been fortunate in given the, the size and scale of our, of our organization that we have a, a really robust uh, internal creative services team. And so, you know, I don't know about putting a certain percentage on it, but the majority of things, uh, especially the bigger uh, campaigns are done in-house. Um, we do have aligned partners that, you know, when there's overflow or when there's specific expertise that we might not be able to bring that we, that we bring in. I think, you know, as organizations get bigger, um, there is that opportunity to invest in an internal team. And I think there's some very good advantages to that internal team. And kind of first and foremost, they live the experience uh, working at your organization every day. I think, you know, obviously you can bring in a partner from the outside, and if you work for them for many years, they get to know you. But I think there's still not – there's some level there that having people that work for you do the campaigns. Uh, they know the organization. They know the voice intimately. Again, they live it every day. There's a real advantage to that. Um, obviously, you know, for smaller organizations, it's a bigger stretch um, to create – that type of internal resource, and you know, you 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 might not have enough work, and then you might be worried about flexing it up and down. Um, again, we're fortunate uh, that we probably have more work than we can ever handle, and the challenge probably uh, with maintaining an internal group is actually trying to filter out all the small stuff, all the all the work that maybe is not going to have that much impact, and try to farm some of that outside 
And so we can really concentrate on the high-level campaign work, brand work, things like that. And that's the, that's the adjustment we've made over the last few years is, again, with some declining resources, how do we make sure that internal team is aligned to the biggest value campaigns? That was the decision for us. I think other organizations might say, well, we don't do a lot of high-level campaigns. Maybe we do one you know, a year, and then we use it for another year or something. So bring in the agency to do the high-level stuff, and maybe we can dedicate a few people internally to just keep the lights on, doors open. Um, either way, I think that there's, there's value in either approach. But um, for us, I really think we're fortunate to have that internal expertise to work on some of our more high-profile campaigns. Well, as it, as it goes to your marketing team, your in, internal team, uh, what uh, skills and expertise are, do you look for in uh, staffing uh, your team? Yeah, I think this is one that, um, you know, as a, as a leader of people and a, and a manager, I've probably changed my opinion on over the years, and as I've kind of gotten a little more experienced, uh, look for different things. But, you know, I think obviously, you know, a solid, some type of solid background in marketing is very helpful. Um, but I think, you know, what I, I see making even more of a, a difference is uh, some of the soft skills. So I, I think people who are curious um, today in marketing, there's more opportunity to experiment uh, than ever before. So, again, I want someone who's going to sort of challenge the assumptions, think about different ways to do things. Again, we're we're so lucky today that, it's not just you know throwing a billboard out there. There's so much we can do digitally, um, social, SEM, other things that are just great opportunities um, to dig in and think about. Like, let's try something to see if it works. If it doesn't work, then we'll 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 redouble our efforts somewhere else. But I like that uh, ability just to be curious, ask questions. Um, I think people again looking for innovative solutions. I think people with good attitudes who are people. Uh, who, who do well working with people are really strong because uh, I think, uh, frankly, a lot of the, the marketing skills, you know, can be taught where some of the softer skills are more difficult. So I, I kind of look for a, a blend of both. Um, but obviously, you know, some grounding in the basics of marketing is really important. And I think today as well, uh, some experience with digital. So, again, I'd, we'd like to look at uh, marketers who are well-rounded. And I, I don't remember who said it, but I recently heard someone at a conference talk about you know, all marketing is digital now. So, you know, not everything you do is digital, but if you're not uh, grounded in that space, I think it's going to be really hard uh, to have the right perspective. So I think those are kind of some of the fundamentals. And then I just round it out by, you know, what I really think is important, and you just can't overlook this enough, is some of those soft skills of just getting things done. And then, you know, going back to where we started the conversation again, you know, larger health systems, maybe larger teams. Again, the ability to, like, navigate uh, some of the, the internal bureaucracy as things get bigger, um, to be able to work with people to get things done. Um, it's not as easy as when, you know, if you, if you went from having 10 years ago your, your organization had uh, 2,000 employees and today you have 20,000 where things get more difficult to do. And having that sort of organizational agility is just really important, and it's, it's very important in the marketing space too. And I can't kind of underestimate that enough. Alan, this has really been very interesting. Uh, thank you very much for sharing your insights with us today. Yeah, happy to. I'm, I'm glad you have the opportunity. My guest today has been Alan Shoebridge, Executive Director of Marketing and Communication at Providence St. Joseph Health. This is Lonnie Hirsch inviting you to tune in again for my next podcast coming soon. <laughs>